Salamat gayud sa aton nga worship team. Again, if you have uh, friends with you, families with you, i-greet sila, advance, Merry Christmas. Advance, Merry Christmas to everyone. And it's really good to thank God, praise God, and most of all, to celebrate Christmas. And I believe that this is the season, as the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, despite sa mga katabo sa aton, I think we cannot uh, afford not to celebrate Christmas because this is the most wonderful time of the year. Now, the message today is, of course, about Christmas. And the title of the message is The Promise of Christmas. Now, the promise of Christmas is the fulfillment of what was promised after the fall of man. Ang promesa sinay, in fact, Christmas was already mentioned in the Old Testament. And that's why we are going to understand why we have Christmas today and what are the promises of the season that we are celebrating. I want us to go to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. It's only one verse, pero dako kag maintindihan natin, ining promises mentioned man ni Isaiah in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6. Let me read this to you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And may God bless the reading of His Word. And I know that God is able to bless each one of us. I want you to just open your hearts to the Lord today. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you that you are able to do mighty things for each one of us. Samun pag sa ulog sining Christmas season. I know that there is a Philippines, we are celebrating Christmas not only during sa December 25. But we are celebrating Christmas, in fact, the whole month of December. And so today, we are here to focus on Christmas. And we ask you, Holy Spirit, to empower our minds, our hearts, and let the joy of season or joy of Christmas fill our hearts today. This is my prayer, and this is my prayer for each one who are here today. In Jesus' name, all of us will say, Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas, Liwat, Satagsatagsa. And this is now a time for us to celebrate the season of Christmas. Now, the message is so powerful that I know you are going to be blessed. Now, it seems like we end the year with more fears than, throw, than hopes. Given the shaky state of the world today, the headlines that you know, we can hear from the news. Now, we can tell by their stories. Turmoil in the world due to COVID-19. Winds of change in every country, every society. Also waves on uncertainties ahead of us. Worst economic downturns. Continuing threats of lockdowns in many places. Like increase 
numbers on COVID positive people, even including churches. Financial uncertainties that will affect many families all over the world. The question is, who can we trust? We hear so much news that we can't decide what is real and what isn't. Who can we really trust? Well, bad news abounds us today. Sometimes some people don't even have a hope that we will surpass this situation because it's everywhere. But I have good news to you because against all the hopelessness situations we have today, well, the words of the angel 2,000 years ago who terrified the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 verse 10. Let me read that to you. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. That was 2,000 years ago. Now, where is this good news? The angel promised. Now, let's wind the clock back across the centuries. Now, back to Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. But don't stop there. Go all the way to the time of Isaiah, the prophet. 700 years before the birth of Christ. He gave us the real answer to that question. And again, he says in verse 6, beginning, he says, Unto us a child is born, and unto us, or rather, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, God answers our anxiety with a manger in Bethlehem. There were times that, you know, we find a baby who brings us peace now, and one day will bring peace to the whole world. Now, in fact, Christmas story does not begin in a manger. It begins way, way back in the garden, the Garden of Eden. Now, the first promise that there would be a Christmas was given by God after Adam sinned. And recorded in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 to 20, where he confronted Adam and Eve about their sin. Now, let me read to you Genesis chapter 3, verse 14 to 20. It says, So that the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field on your belly. You shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And here's the promise and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now there would be a lot of things that he promised in this particular passage in the past. This is the fulfillment, the Christmas that we are celebrating year after year is the fulfillment of the promise that he actually uh, promised several years ago from the very beginning. Now, 
let me give you one by one quickly. He mentioned here is that there would be hostility between Satan and the woman. Now throughout the history, this fact is most evident. Women have always been oppressed, being treated as no more than slaves in most cultures. Only where Christianity has have had influences and has women's role been approved. Also, he mentioned that there would be hostility between Satan's seed and the woman's seed. Now, seed refers to the offspring or children. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3, he states it clearly about this struggle. Let me quote that to you. He said that at one time, we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. That means we were dead in trespasses and sins in which you and I once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who is now works in the sons of disobedience. That's found in verse 1 and verse 2. Now Jesus stated also that some of his Jewish critics during the time when he, Jesus was around and he said, you are your father the devil and the desires of your fathers you want to do. He was a murderer from the very beginning, referring to Satan, and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. That's found in John chapter 8 verse 44. Also, he mentioned that the woman's seed will bruise Satan's head. Now, to bruise the head is an oriental term, meaning to break the lordship of another. Remember that Satan took the what? The dominion that was given to man from the very beginning. And now that's why he is called the prince of this world. He became the lord over the world today. But however, this promise was fulfilled in the first Christmas. That's why very important to understand that the word bruised the head. Bruised the head meaning to break the lordship of another. Now the seed of the woman is no less than Jesus Christ the Lord. And he would break the lordship of Satan and has held over the human race over since Adam committed sin of high treason and sold out his rights to God's enemy, Satan. But humanity has longed to be free and that constantly the cry of his heart is throughout the Old Testament history is for deliverance from the bondage of the devil. And even until now. Now, the victorious Christ did break Satan's lordship. Now, all who believe in Christ are now free. Colossians chapter 1, I mentioned this the last time in my series in the book of Colossians. And let me repeat that to you. It says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, he says, he has delivered us from what? From the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. 
and in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Now the word delivered is basically means rescued. Dogin rescue ikaw sa dominion sang uh, Satan, which means darkness. And, and he has rescued us not only from Satan, but also from the authority of Satan's dominion. And gave us what? Citizenship in the kingdom of his beloved son. That's why many of us are not just simply called Christian, but the Bible talks about that we are citizens of heaven. We have been translated from being citizens of this world to become citizens of the kingdom of God. Now, since this is true, then, the laws of the old kingdom no longer apply to those who believe in Christ. We call them believers. You and I become believers. Now, the old law of sickness, poverty, defeat, are replaced by the new laws of the new kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? The Bible says the kingdom of God is not merely about eating nor drinking, but it's about peace, power, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Now Jesus has come as a baby in, the, in, in Bethlehem in order to take human form to provide a legal and vital redemption for you and for me. So let us remember that Christmas is a promise. A promise for what? For us to understand this promise. For without understanding Christmas, there would be little meaning or even significance to some believers or to some Christians. And of course, to the whole humanity. But if you understand the promise of Christmas, it will set you free. It will set you free. Isaiah now, verse 9, 2 says, same chapter, he says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. And for those who live in the land or deep darkness, a light will shine. I like that. A light will shine. We live in dark days today. And you know, sometimes it's easy to be discouraged. And there is so much hatred in every, in every life today. If you turn your TV or your cell phones, you hear bad news everywhere. Now, it seems like the, the, national, the national blood pressure that gone up so high this year because of pandemic. We are an angry, unhappy nation right now. Many people are so angry, are so unhappy today. And there seems to be no end to this side. But praise God that we can celebrate Christmas. It brings hope. For those who understand that there is hope from a God who has given us Christmas, so through Christmas, this hope becomes real to those who actually believe. Now again, let's listen to the prophecy because this is the prophecy, the text that we have just read from the very beginning, which is our key text in Isaiah 9, verse 6. Let me 
Repeat that again to you. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, allow me to explain this powerful promises mentioned regarding Christ's birth. We call it Christmas. The first one Isaiah mentioned is that Wonderful Counselor. Why wonderful counselor? Because wonderful counsel, because he has all the answers we need. Let me repeat that to you. He has all the answers that we need today. It indicates the kind of character this coming king has. Now the word wonderful is in this passage literally means incomprehensible. Hindi mo maintindihan or hindi mo hindi you, you can never understand it. Because the Messiah will cause us to be full of wonder. Full of awe. Now the word is much weighter. Medyo bukat-bukat ini. Then the way it's used in normal conversation. Uh, like when we have this conversation on a daily basis, we say things like, Wonderful! If they are basically pleasant. So when we see the situation, our day-to-day -day experience is so pleasant, we say, wow, it's a wonderful day. When it's lovely, we say, wow, it's a it's lovely day. It's a lovely day. Or at least a likable day for us. That's why we use the word wonderful. But Jesus demonstrated his wonderfulness in various ways when he has or when he was here on earth. So that means in the Anatod, why would Jesus consider as the wonderful, wonderful counselor? First because beginning with his conception in the womb of a virgin in Matthew 1 verse 23. That's why Mary doesn't understand this as well. In his own mind, or she, in his own mind, he can never understand. That's why he says, how can this be? I am a virgin. So that was her conception. It's a virgin birth, or even, you know, a virgin having a baby in his womb, in her womb. Not only that, he showed us that he is wonderful, one, because one of his powerful uh, manifestation is when he is doing healing in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, and in many other verses. He's wonderful because he shows power to heal people. Can you imagine how many of those who were cleansed? Ang mga aru, ang mga blind at birth, ang mga gin... Of course, again, uh, uh, possessed some evil spirit. He was there to set them free. It's wonderful. His perfect life is wonderful. Hebrews 4.15 tells us that he is living his life sinless in this world. His resurrection from the dead <laughs> is a wonderful 
expression why he is known to be as a wonderful savior. That's found in Mark chapter 16, verse 6. Now Jesus taught many wonderful things as well that are counter reintuitive to human mind. That means in the because sometimes it's totally different from our culture when he tries to teach us the culture of his kingdom. Now remember Matthew 5 verse 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn. Wow. Those who are mourning, those who are weeping, are blessed. Now rejoice and be glad in persecution. In Matthew chapter 5, 11, 11 to 12. How can you rejoice and, 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 and you know, be happy when you are being persecuted? Sometimes even Christians doesn't, you and I doesn't accept this. When we are persecuted, we sometimes fight back. Remember, he mentioned in Luke 6 verse 27, he says, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Mm. How many of you have loved your enemies? You cannot pass the test. But this is Jesus. He's wonderful. His teaching is so wonderful. Now Jesus' kind of wonderful is an awe-inspiring. That's why we have this song I used to sing before when I was still in, in you know, leading worship. You are beautiful beyond description. It's beautiful beyond description. We stand in awe. Not only in his presence, but the inspiring things that he did when he was around. And superior to any kind of people around us. He is perfect in every way. That's Jesus. That's why Isaiah mentioned about he is wonderful. The other part of the Messiah's title in the word is also counselor. The word wonderful counselor. In ancient Israel, a counselor was portrayed as a wise king. Such as Solomon giving guidance to his people. Now, in Christ, he mentioned that it is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That's found in Colossians 2.3. It's not just about Solomon, but also in Christ. He has the wisdom and the knowledge. Now, including the knowledge of all human nature. If you have time, you read Psalms 139, verse 1 and 2. In other words, Jesus always knows what you are going through. And he always knows the right course of action to take. And so when Isaiah was telling us this, he is simply telling us that we, we can trust this son who is about to be born. And of course, it happened 2,000 years ago. We can trust him to listen to our, that he can listen to our problems and guide us in the right direction. Proverbs 3, 6. My favorite 
to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Just acknowledge Him. He shall direct your paths. He knows you. He knows what's happening to you. And He knows what step to take. All it takes is to embrace this as your wonderful counselor. And the second one is that Isaiah mentioned about mighty God. What is mighty God? Mighty God because He has the power to help us. Mighty comes from the word gibbon or gibor, rather, el gibor, which means strength, power, or another word is hero. Hero. Now, what a statement. Now, in the world where heroes are often determined by athletic process, personal talent, or financial power, we are told that the only one truly worthy to be called hero is the one whose might is unparalleled. Wala sang iban, wala naton, hindi naton ma ma compare ang iyag ang iyag home now Christ the Messiah would not only have the power of God he would be the God of power he is not just a God who has power but because he is all powerful because he is God now the Bible clearly states that Christ displayed his mighty power by creating the world before the physically, before he physically entered it. Now look at John chapter 1 verse 3. It says, All things were made through him. Without him, nothing has made that was made. Before he created all things, even before he entered this physical world. He is already in existence. He showed his power by creating everything. Again, let me repeat what I have said in the previous uh, series natin sa Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 that, that it agrees in John chapter 1 verse 3. It says, For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Through him and for him. Now, what is the importance of the name Mighty God to you today? To all believers today or even to some people who yet to know Christ. Why is it very important as we celebrate this Christmas? Because this is one of the promises that was mentioned by Isaiah. Well, first and foremost, this mighty God that we serve in the person of Christ, Jesus, He is the source of our power. Remember in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says that He will send His Holy Spirit so that we can receive the power from on high. The power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to be His representatives in the world. You see, we cannot represent Christ today in the seasons of pandemic. This is supposed to be 
a great opportunity nga ma-express natin, mapakita natin that we are shining for Jesus. Why? Why, can you, why can't we shine? Because probably we miss knowing that we are serving a mighty God. And He has the power, not just small power, but all the power. So we can receive the power. In fact, it was given 2,000 years ago. The moment you receive Christ, the Holy Spirit is given to you. Not just as deposit, so that you can be assured of your future, of your eternal life. No, so that you can also live your life like Jesus. Because that power is the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. So that means He is the source of our power. He is also the strength of our lives. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, many of you can quote this, I can do, I can do all things through Christ, who what? Who gives me the strength. Look at the word, I can do all things. Now, Paul was not bragging. He was actually just telling the truth. Because he does not live his life by his own strength by his own power, but because he knows the power of God is living inside of us. He's the same Holy Spirit that lives in the life of Paul is also in us today. Because it was the promise. 700 years before Jesus Christ came, it was already mentioned and prophesied by Isaiah. He is a mighty God. Now this doesn't mean that we will never know pain this doesn't mean that we will not experience hardship. No. But that we can endure in triumph. We can go above the situations. How can we do that? Well, only as we rest in Christ's power and not our own power or not our own strength. And then another, number three, third promise in Isaiah about Jesus coming to earth. Not only that he is wonderful counselor, mighty God, but the third is that he is everlasting father. Why everlasting father? Because he knows us and loves us even though we are sinners. Now the word father in the term that describes is basically means fatherhood. He is a father forever or it means father of eternity. Now the Hebrew word translated everlasting and has the idea of in it is perpetuity or perpetual. That means without end. Everlasting. Without end. Now I know there are some group of believers that they cannot separate. They don't believe in the three divine personality. So definitely they cannot embrace this truth. How can Christ become the Father? Because in Trinity there is only one Father. And he is the son. 
and the Holy Spirit. But yet, in the prophecy of Isaiah, he mentioned that the Son will become what? Counselor, mighty God, and then everlasting Father. Though hindi mo siya maintindihan. Now, you know why? Because this is how many people basically try to literally understand. And if you are going to use this or understand this literally, you can never understand it fully. What does this mean? You see, in ancient times, the father of the nation was viewed as much as the same way of the father of a family. Now, what does the father of family do? Now, it was the father who was given the kind of authority to protect at the same time to provide for his children. If you're a father, you are called father, not just because you are the husband and you are the father of your children, but as a father, you are expected to protect your children. And not just to protect, but also to provide for their needs. So in the same way, this child to be born, mentioned by Isaiah, will become a king who will be a father to the children of Israel, and not only to the Israelites, but to the spiritual Israel we call the church. Believers like you and me now. And this kind of promise that he will become a father and he will protect and provide for not only for Israel, but also for us today. It is his role as protector and as provider that will not be limited by the so-called aging or even death. That's why even Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. He can never die. And he is still helping us today. So his role as a father is basically protector and provider. And it will continue in perpetuity. The word perpetuity means for eternity. Now the full identity of the Messiah, Christ, that he is God in the flesh. The second person of the Trinity who would protect and provide for his people. So if you are a child of God, I can assure you, his eyes is upon you. Christ, our Lord. He was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And he grew and he became not just Savior, and he became King of Kings. And one day, all people will see him. He will be crowned with many crowns. Now, let's go to the fourth promise based on Isaiah's prophecy in verse 6, chapter 9. And he will also be the Prince of Peace. Uh, Prince of Peace because he alone can fix what is broken. I'll like to repeat that again. He alone can fix what is broken. You see, in a world filled with war, violence, it's difficult to see how Jesus could be the all-powerful God who acts 
in humanity's history and be the embodiment of peace. But physically, he is one day going to come again. But today, we have the Holy Spirit that embodies Christ in us. And the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us so that we can show the world that we are not just his disciples, but we are his body. The reflection. We are supposed to be the role model for people to see Christ in us. You see, physical safety and political harmony don't necessarily reflect the kind of peace he's talking about or this prophecy of Isaiah about that he become prince of peace. But the Hebrew word for peace is so important because the word peace means shalom. It often used in reference to an appearance of calm, calmness and of course tranquility of individuals, groups, and nations. Now the Greek word for peace means unity and accord. Unity and accord. But the deeper, more foundational meaning of peace is this. The spiritual harmony brought about by an individual's restoration with God. That's the kind of definition I would like to tell you. This is the kind of peace that was mentioned by Jesus when he was around. He says, I give you peace, but this peace is not the peace that the world gives. It's a different kind of peace. It's a spiritual harmony brought about by your restoration with God. You see, in our sinful state, we are enemies with God. Now, Romans 5.8 says to us, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. So powerful statement of Paul. That means Paul was simply saying, Hala, sige kada, himo sang sala. You're trying to what? You're trying to go against God. But Paul was simply saying, you know, as, as you are doing that, I want you to know, I want to remind you, that while you are rebelling and rebelling on God, God has already demonstrated this love for you because Christ died for you. This is my challenge to some of you who are listening today that probably you know God, you, you know Christ, but you don't submit to His lordship or kingship. And I want you to know that even though you try to rebel, God is still telling you, I already have done something great for your life. I have committed my life to you. He died. Jesus Christ died for your sin. What is this? Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. That means we are no longer enemies of God. We have this kind of peace. This is exactly what Isaiah was saying. In a world that is chaotic, relationships are, are, we can see this happening today. 
People become selfish. They don't care about other people. They only care about themselves. But the, the good news is God cares for people. He loves people. That's the very reason why Jesus Christ gave his life. Not just for good people, not just for people who are in the church now, but for people who are still away from God. This is the deep abiding peace that he offers. And this is abiding peace between our hearts and the heart of our Creator. And that cannot be taken away. The moment you receive Christ in you, He has given you the kind of peace. You are no longer enemies of God. And it can never be taken away from you. Nobody can take that away from you. That is the ultimate fulfillment of Christ's work, being the Prince of Peace. Now in John chapter 10, verse 27 to 28, he says, My sheep hears my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Verse 8 or 28 says, I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. What a powerful promise. If you have Christ, your King and Lord. So no matter what hardships we are facing now, you and I facing with, we can ask for peace that comes from a powerful, loving God. And that is not dependent on our own strength or the situations around us. Because even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of chaos, you can still have the abiding peace that God promised that no man can get. So in mentioning Isaiah 9.6, I intentionally passed over a phrase. And this is supposed to be number five promise of Christmas. The first mention actually in Psalms or rather Isaiah 9.6 that he will give us a child and became a son. And in this son, uh, he will become a govern governor. And the Bible says that the government shall be upon his shoulders. Let me repeat that again. The government shall be upon his shoulders. That means Jesus can bear the full weight of the world and all its problems. It is easy to say, but, you know, it's hard to believe. Ang ibang sa aton gapamang kote, if Jesus is the one trying to, you know, to have this weight and problems in the world, how come I still have problems? Kung siya ni nagakuha sa aton kabugatan. Why is that so? You see, we are prone to shoulder all our problems, all our cares, all our frustrations, and we carry them ourselves. So in all the time, the government of Jesus, who is He, is the King, the government of the work should be upon the shoulders of the so-called great master, whom wants to serve his people. And this is his work. This is the work of Christ today. 
to carry our frustration, to carry our problems, to carry all the things that is what's happening to us today. But sad news is that we keep on, you know, trying to hold on to all our frustration and we want to deal it ourselves. So this is his work, not ours. It's not our work. So if these troubled times, God would not have his children, his people, his citizens or the citizens of his kingdom, not to worry, not to fret over the problems. We should be vitally concerned, yes, but not burdened down with worry. Pastor, hindi man pwede nga, hindi kita kalukdos ang aton problema. And this is really true. Ginalukdo naton. But you see, we have forgotten that we have a savior, we have a king, we have a governor. His name is Jesus. He's the great master. When he was around, he is trying to invite people to come to him. And it's the same invitation that he is trying to tell us even as we celebrate the season of Christmas. Because in him we can have the peace. And not to be burdened by trouble, not to be burdened by so much worries in life. Look at what he says in Matthew 11 verse 28 to 30. He says, come to me. All whose work is hard, whose load is, is, is heavy. Jesus says, Jesus says to each one of us this morning, I will give you relief. He said, for my yoke is easy, my yoke is good to bear, and my load is light. That means we can work together with Christ. Don't work alone addressing your problems. Don't work alone trying to think about how can you solve your problems. Jesus. Because this was the promise. See, the devil is trying to, to tell us that we can solve our own problem. But look at what's happening when you try to solve your problem alone without the help of God. It's not easy. That God is inviting us. Jesus is telling us, come. Let me handle that for you. Let us work together. You see, worry is blind and, and cannot discern the future. But Jesus sees the end from the beginning. I want you to know that Jesus is reminding us that before he came to earth, he is already the one who created everything. That means he is the beginning, though he has no beginning, because he exists before the beginning. So Jesus sees the end. What will happen to you and to me? He already sees that. Nakita niya na na. And he was just trying to tell us, trying to tell us, I want to work this out to you, Bangod. We have been given this freedom to make a choice to live our life according to his plan and to his purpose. If he is the author of our life, he is the author of the story of our life as well. 
And he has finished that. So when Jesus said that he is the Prince of Peace, he is not just trying to invite us to have the peace in the midst of all this turmoil or problems or pandemic. He was trying to assure us that he will help you fulfill the plan that I made for you. The plan to prosper, the plan to make a wonderful destination. Because Jesus is reminding us that he sees the end from the beginning. So in every difficulty, he has his way prepared to bring relief. That means if you have problems today, Jesus has already have the solution for you. The only problem is we don't go to him. Our Heavenly Father has a thousand ways to provide for us of which we know nothing. That's why the Bible says, keeps on reminding us His ways are, are higher. His thoughts, His plans. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts is also the same. So don't try to solve problems by your own thinking. Don't try to solve problems by your own resources. Don't try to solve problems. Why not come to him today? After all, this is a celebration of his birth. And it reminds us of the promises he made. Should we not repose our confidence calmly to him? We must trust Him. If we trust, we will not worry. When we worry, we do not trust Him. So Christmas reminds us that God is God and we are not. Let me say this again, that again. Christmas reminds us that God is God and we are not. Because he can arrange. Remember, seasons of Christmas reminding us that he can even arrange for a virgin birth. He can arrange for Mary to become pregnant without a husband. He can do that. It's impossible. He can ensure that the baby will be born exactly the place prophesied Seven years earlier, the prophecy of Isaiah was 700 years earlier before Jesus was born in Bethlehem. You see, God can put a star in the sky at the right moment. You remember the three wise men. Angela Q is only the star. Because they wanted to know the Savior. They wanted to see the Savior in a manger. And that was the plan of God. And that plan works. Can you imagine? How did he do that? Because he is mighty. He can bring together angels, shepherds, and wise men to celebrate the miraculous birth. That's why if you try to look at the nativity scene, we have the shepherd, we have the three wise men with their 
gifts laid down in front of the manger. And he can take a tiny baby born in a stable and make the baby the savior of the world, the Lord, and the king of kings for all of us. If God can do all that, what are you so worried about? <laughs> if he can do that, think about it for a moment. You see, are you tired of trying to run your own life alone by your own strength? Now I challenge you, I urge you to turn your letter of resignation. It's time for us to resign, to become the person in charge. I tell you, if you are going to send your letter of resignation, I'm no longer in charge of my life beginning today. This is December 20, a celebration of Christmas. It's time for me to resign being the person in charge of my life. I tell you, it will be accepted in heaven. You see, as we come to the end of the year, there is too much fear and not enough hope. But that won't last forever. The thing that happened to us this year 2020, and probably for some, they look at this as, you know, as a sign that it will extend up to several years. They lose their hope, but that won't last. This pandemic won't last. Now God's answer can be found today as we celebrate Christmas. It can only be found in Bethlehem. <laughs> this church is named after Bethlehem. The church, our church, me, our church name is Bethlehem Christian Church. So if you want to, if you want to find Jesus, you come to Bethlehem Church. Now I'm talking about the Bethlehem where Jesus was born. The baby in the manger means God is fixing what has gone wrong with the world today. He wants to fix the problems in your life. He wants to fix everything that you know. It's a hopeless situation. Remember, he is still mighty God. It is a big job. The work is still not done if you try to look at this. But I know that the light shines from the manger to tell us that darkness will not win in the end. Because Christmas means Jesus can carry the full weight of your problem and my problem. Because he said in the prophecy of Isaiah says that the government will be on his shoulders. It means that he is going to become king and that becomes his government. The kingdom of God becomes his government. That means he is in charge. Lord Jesus is in charge. He reigns from heaven amid the chaos we see around us today. And that's why the angel said when he mentioned and shout this powerful statement, fear not, 
fear now. Because there will be a good news. That there will become joy. Not just for chosen few. But it will be for the whole world. So we need not to be afraid. That Christmas is God's answer. Not just for us personally. But for the whole world as well. Remember. Jesus will reign forever. His kingdom will never end. And let the weary world rejoice. Are you one of those who are weary? Are you one of those who are worrying about the future? Are you one of those who are right now trying to hold on to your problems? It's time for you to let go. And let God, as we celebrate Christmas, remember the promise. It was a promise a long, long time ago from the very beginning. But if you hold on to it, then you will always have worries. But you can go to Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords. And his government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And he is the Prince of Peace. May God bless you and may God will constantly show to you as you welcome him today. This is the reason for the season. It's Jesus. It's not about, you know, what can we see. But the most powerful gift that you can receive is the peace of Jesus. It's the strength of Jesus. And allowing Jesus to rule your life today. So that you can show others that Jesus is alive in you. I want to pray. I want to declare as you open your heart to him today. Let's do that. Father, thank you for your word. Truly, the message of Christmas is a message of hope. The message of Christmas is a message that was mentioned even from the very beginning when men fell when the first man and the first woman fall because of sin. But you had given us a promise of hope that we can overrule the forces of darkness even today. And thank you that we have learned so much truth about these promises that you gave us. I pray for those who, Lord God, having so much weight in their life, in their family, Lord, I pray for your peace that passes all understanding will guard them. I pray that they will open their hearts and they will say, God, from now on, I resign. Holding on to all of my powers, holding on to all of my resources that I cannot even, Lord, address the problem. But you can because there is nothing impossible for you. And so today, Lord, for those who are opening their hearts to you today, you will give them the joy that you promised. You give them the peace. You give them the provision. They will sense your power. They will sense Father, the fatherhood of God. Thank you, Lord. Touch everyone today. 
and thank you for your goodness. That today we can celebrate Christmas as we can celebrate Christmas every day of our lives. We give you all the glory, the honor for what you have done today in Jesus' name. And all of us will say, Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God.